Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God completely invite you even more so that you would overwhelm us that you would love us well and that you would allow us to absorb every bit of goodness that you give and that you would allow us to then live it as an outflow of what you're doing in our hearts in jesus name we ask these things amen um first thing i'm gonna actually pray again right now but i'm asking you to pray with me i felt like when we started to preach that we were supposed to all close our eyes and ask the Lord to do in us what he wants. Does that make sense? So I'm asking you now, I'm about to pray, but I'm asking you to invite him to do what he wants to do in you, okay? I'm going to preach to you, first and foremost, you and him connect, Lord, what would you say to me today? And what would you have me remember? So slow your life down right now, long enough to be very present. I have a person I meet with that prays a prayer, the same prayer every time I meet with her, and she says that you would allow me to be fully present and that you would be fully present. That's her prayer to the Lord, and that's what we want right now. And so close your eyes with me if that helps. If not, open your eyes. Father, right now, we invite you to be fully present, and we ask that our spirit man or that our heart would be fully present here today as well. That we would be here to listen to you and sense what it is that you're saying, sense how you're acting, and follow the way that you lead. Because we know you do those things out of kindness and that you draw us to yourself and into things through kindness. And even if they're scary, you still lead with peace. Father, I do not believe you're trying to get all of us to do things we hate doing. I believe that you love us well and that when we feel and, and sense and receive your love, 
You lead us through things that are already in our hearts that we desire to do. Even though some of those things are extremely hard, there's a want to in us. So today, awaken the want to in us. Remove any kind of guilt in Jesus' name. Remove any kind of condemnation in Jesus' name. Remove any voices that have spoken into our lives and left marks that aren't from you. Sever any baggage that we're not supposed to be carrying, any baggage of the flesh that says, you're a bad person, you'll never, all of that stuff in Jesus' name, we ask that you replace it with the truth, the truth of your word, that we are sons and daughters, that we are adopted, that we are purposed, that we can live the life of Jesus, which is a life of serving, a life of humility, a life of the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. A life of being able to hear you more than just reading about you. We welcome those things right now. Quicken our spirits to hear what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, quick recap. Last week Bill preached. Thank you, Bill. From me to you, thank you, because it gives me a week to dream and do some stuff with the apartment life we're working on. From them to you, can you guys just golf clap them if you were here? Heard a lot of good feedback, a ton of good feedback. Um, we've been talking through some different things. One of the things is our prayers of the season. Everybody say pots. So I'm not going to give you the litany of how God's answering these prayers, but he is totally answering these prayers. Creating space, unbelievable. We're starting open prayer night, RCC staff covering. We all have a prayer shield. Um, I sense it. Children's ministry and youth, we have someone who's going to be our children's pastor starting in a month. So that's a direct answer to that prayer that we had no, we didn't see. Discipleship, there's three or four things that you're going to hear about that are in place for the future. Visible community transformation, we're literally in the process of talking about moving people into an apartment complex for Jesus to love people well. And they're offering us free apartments. <laughs> Nuts, right? Financial surplus to give and save. We can still work on that one. <laughs> but God is good. We never have been in need. We always have what we've needed. Amen? So good. Um, these will, these, whenever you walk in, I'd read them because there will be times when there's another one added and one gets taken away. Not that it's not important, but their focus is. And so um, that's what we've been working on. And so we've been talking through the disciplines. Today's discipline is very simply put, the discipline of service. Everybody say service. So... First, I want to talk about greatness. Everybody say greatness. Who wants to be great? <laughs> cool. All right. So when I think about greatness, a few things popped to my mind instantly. One, Tiger Woods, 1996, I think. Does anybody remember that? When he was like 112 under in that tournament. I was alive then. I was in college, and I was blown away. Another one that comes to mind is Steph Curry, because he, he could shoot from here, and it would go in wherever he shot. Another one I think about is LeBron James because he's my least favorite athlete on earth just because he's like all strength, power, dunk hard. When Steph Curry's like, whoosh, he's like Jordan. Another thing I think about is Marvin Gaye. Who thinks he's great? Is he not great? Another, when I think of great, great, I, and I'm going to sound like I'm so trying to be trendy, but Bonnie Vare. I listen to them. Who knows me well enough to know that that's all I ever play? Who, who's around me enough? They're, they're probably annoying. I love them. Um, Bill would say the Beatles. Is that right? Beatles? The police? Sorry. 
Somebody just throw out something that's great to them. Coffee. I'm going to have to jump on that train. Coffee is great. Roger Federer. Roger Federer. Didn't see it coming, but he's really good. <laughs> Who else has got a great? The Braves are not great. <laughs> if you want to take the up, the Braves are not great. They're awful. Even my son's like, we're going to lose today, Dad. How bad are we going to lose? I'm like, no, I give him a shot. Testing crowns. <laughs> ah, we're going to leave it there. Okay. Who else has got something great? Who? Don't have a clue what that's about, but to you? Okay. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. What about, um, what about filet mignon? No? Whatever you cooked for us at your house that one day? Great. Great. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, the food beneath us. His braised short rib, amazing. His beer can chicken, amazing. He's going to serve those to us in about three weeks too, so it's really fun. So I say all that to say, I'm about to read you a passage about greatness, and I think in all of us, a lot of you didn't raise your hand because you know that I'm about to talk about serving. Um, I think in all of us, we want to be great. I do. I, I think whatever you do, I think if you are a businessman, you want to be the best businessman. I think it's in us. I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be the best athlete on the planet. I think it's in us. Whatever you feel like God has called you to do, if you know that, I think you probably want to be the best that possible, right? Like, I think that. I think if you're a mom or a dad or a, a best friend, I think you want to be the best, best friend, the best. I think all those things are there. Whether or not we do them, I think... It just depends on each of us and situations, but I know that it's in us. And so I'm going to read you a passage where Jesus redefines greatness, and, and then he challenges us to be great in that way. And it's not the way that we're, we're accustomed to. It's not the way America is. It's not the way our businesses are built. It's not the way families are led. Worst thing of all, most churches definitely are not led this way, okay? Most churches definitely do not look like Jesus. And in a minute, you'll hear that Jesus said, I didn't come to bring power to, to me. I didn't come to be served. It's actual scripture. I came to carry a towel. And so my hope by the end of today is that every time you think about how great you want to be, that you imagine this on your shoulder. Anything that you do. Because your greatness is directly related to if you will serve in that place. Not if someone will serve you. Too often we want to be like, here you go, and have somebody serve us. Even if it's underneath the surface, even if it's we're pretending we're humble. Um, and a little clarity right off the bat, when you talk, start talking about service, people have been manipulated before. People have been under leadership that's manipulative. And people have thought that if they work really hard that they'll make it to the kingdom of heaven. That's not the gospel of serving. And just Justin, a friend of mine, you should ask him his stories. Um, people are evil and ask you to do things that God's not asking you to do, and they want things of you you're not supposed to give. And so when you serve, you do it for him. And if you do it in that way, then out of you comes freedom, out of you comes liberation, out of you comes joy, out of you comes people wanting your Jesus. You all have seen people who serve like that. People who truly serve from the right heart are the most happy people you've ever been around. 
they are not people who are upset a lot. It's just crazy. Like, Julie's going to come up and share something in a little bit. She's just happy, right? Like, always. I've never seen her upset. Her daughters have never seen her upset <laughs> in her life. So, today, service is to perform duties for another, okay? So, I'm going to leave this right here. That's going to be weird for you, maybe, but I'm leaving this right here. Um, I've never been able to really picture Jesus doing this for me. When I think of Jesus, I can see him serving. I can see him carrying a towel. I can see him sitting before his disciples and telling them, I'm going to serve you. It's always been much more difficult when I start thinking about me and Jesus. For some reason, in Revelation 4.11, there's this picture. Do we have this passage, Revelation 4.11? Did I give you that? There's this picture of Jesus. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is a picture of Jesus in heaven, and right before this there are angels that are actually worshiping him. This is a picture of Jesus. When I start to personalize it, I bump into it. It's, not, it's, not an, it's, it's an accurate picture of him, but this is not the picture of Jesus where he sits before his disciples and washes their feet. And so I wonder if, if some of you are that way. You know you should serve. You've heard the stories. You've heard the messages. I'm going to read you a couple passages you've probably heard before. But I wonder if just you and him, what's he allowed to do at your feet? I wonder if, if you know you've got to serve, but put Jesus at your feet right now. You know, Just put me at your feet, and I'm just the dude. How uncomfortable would it be for me to just walk up to you right now and be like, hey, take off your shoes? You'd be like, I'm going to another church. <laughs> just, just me walking around here. How awkward would that be? Think about creator of the world legitimately. And they knew. And he knew what was about to happen sitting before you. It makes, kind of, it makes sense what Peter said, right? Like, Peter's probably onto something. No, don't wash just that part of me, but wash all of me. And Jesus is like, shut up, dude. Shut your mouth in a loving way because he leads by kindness. But it's always been hard for me. There are times when I got glimpses of him serving me or seeing him serve someone else this way, and liberation was instantly what happened to me. Baggage was lifted. When I was in, in um, college, not, I'm not going to give you the story of me getting in college, but I, was, I wanted to be in this fraternity my brother was in. It was called Alpha Gamma Chi at Lee University. It was probably the best fraternity there, at least in my view at, the, at that point. I, looking back, it's goofy. All fraternities are pretty goofy, just to be honest. Um, but I remember there was this big like hoopla about what they did to you in induction because Christian colleges you would think you can't do anything to you in induction, right? They could do stuff to you during induction. I mean, some awful stuff. And so we had heard rumors of people being buried alive and <laughs> this, this note started being passed around campus. They called it the ghost. And the ghost was, if you were to be inducted by Alpha Gamma Chi, how, uh, what is it when you can't be in tight places? How claustrophobic are you? Great little mental piece to add. And would you be okay breathing through a straw? And I was like, what? <laughs> no, neither. I hate both of those things. None of those things are on my Christmas list. And so the first night they get us, I'm sharing stuff I shouldn't be sharing. By the way, I'll probably get in trouble for this because people in Kai are still like, no, sir, you don't talk about it. What happens if Kai stays in Kai? There's like 11 of us. Calm down. So we show up, they blindfold us, put us in the back of a car. We're like sardines, like 10 of us in the back of a car. They drive us to a gym, and we hear 
hell's bells come on, ACDC is the first thing, which is horrifying when you're blindfolded and sweaty. And then I start to hear people crying. And it's not my people. I'm like, this is awful. There's nothing worse than other people crying. I don't even know who they are. And so, but something like that had never happened at Kai before happened at this induction. Um, so they, after about an hour, they take our blindfolds off. And all of them are weeping. And we're like, talk about the worst, most horrifying scene ever. The ones that are about to do stuff to you are actually really crying. And I'm like, are you guys crying because of what you're about to do to us? Because that's horrifying if it's making you actually weep. But evidently, right before we got there, they had like a prayer thing about it. And they were all like brokenhearted. And so <laughs> it was still really hard to put together in my brain. They started washing our feet and weeping over us and praying over us. And it was like, and I remember thinking the shift that happened right there, I, I legitimately was almost having anxiety attacks just because I don't, I don't like being in situations where I don't know. I definitely don't want to be buried. I mean, I think anybody does not want to be buried. And so, and then seeing the genuine like turn, because they were going to do bad stuff to us. I think of that when I think about when I really first recognized who Jesus was. I think there was that shift in me because it was so different than what I was expecting. And I think, I think for you today, I think what he wants you to see is this version of him that is ready to bring justice, right? This Revelation 4.11, it's very real, but the version of him that he will draw you into the rest of your life with will be the one that's carrying a towel. And if you can't receive that, then you won't be able to give it. It has to happen to you before it can happen through you. Does it make sense? That's a little tweetable thing. Don't tweet it. <laughs> so, I'm going to read you two passages. Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. And then John 13, 1 through 17. A little bit about this first part. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. I'm going to call out some people actually here. This happened about 20 or so years later than it happened in Mark, the same story. And in Mark, the mother did not bring this up. And they think this is why. Because Jesus' kind of renown had grown and these two people were considered to be relatives of Jesus, they didn't want them to be seen in a bad light. So it's, I'm not saying this is theology, but it's thought that they brought the mother in so it didn't look so bad on the disciples, which it makes me a little bit mad. And it's Mother's Day, so isn't that interesting? That's what they think. That's what they think. Read, read Matthew, Mark 25, or 35, and it's a different story. It's just, it's a en different entrance. This is this entrance. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, 
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Really quickly before I get to John 13, something really interesting about this is we throw stones at two groups here. First, the, the prayer that they're asking legitimately, they're, they're thinking this might be granted. These guys want to be great. Please help them to be great. Okay, that, that's interesting right there because we look at that and we're like, we know what's about to happen to these guys. The second group that's kind of interesting is the other disciples that get frustrated with these guys, not because they're right, but because they would like the same thing and they don't know what to do with it. And so I think this is a really clear picture of when you begin to pray things and you begin to seek what God wants and you bring it to him and say your stupid request that all of us have, right? Like I've prayed a prayer that God would give me a big audience to preach to years ago. I used to want that. Let me preach to millions. And when he asked the question why, I would walk away from the prayer. Why do you want to preach to millions? No. <laughs> I'll go over here now. Josh, you want to be famous. This is not what you're called to. This is not what you're called to. But I just checked out of those prayers. God, I want to be great. I admire them. Here's why I admire them. They're basically told your prayer is wrong. And they listen. It's cleansed. I would even say this. I think any time you begin to pray and ask real prayers, even if they're wrong, I think he's okay with it. I think he's okay when you ask wrong prayers if you're, if you're okay with listening. What if he says no? What if he says no to you, right? Like he says to them, you, you don't want that. Some of you are going to have that. You're going to drink of the cup, but you don't want. And that's where I think America and our churches maybe stumble is we don't want to hear no, right? We'll just go to a different church. I'll just find somebody else to disciple me. I'll read a different version of the Bible. The message or the massage probably says it in a little more beautiful way. We don't want to hear no. These guys hear no, and they're good with it. These guys go into it wanting something and don't get it and are told the exact opposite of what's going to happen, and they're good with it. I just want to recommend to you anything that's on your heart to do. Present it to the Lord. What do you think of this? Let your, let your prayers and petitions be made known to the Lord, and if it's accordance with his will, he'll do it. But if it's not, he's going to tell you it's not. Another question. These guys wanted to be great. Why? Do you want to be great? Why? Why do you want to be great? I want to be great. I do. I want this church to be like the greatest thing the kingdom of God has ever seen, right? I do want that. Why? I got I to gotta, I gotta develop that. Why? I want to see God do some crazy things. Why? I want to see people come to know Jesus. Why? I want to be in heaven with more people. Why? Because heaven's awesome. Why? Because it's only unity in heaven and everybody's in love and it's beautiful. Why? Why do you want to be great? Why? You want to be great. Why? Follow up to your greatness question. If you already know the reason you want to be great is the wrong one, don't run from the Lord. Let him continue to develop the conversation. He's leading you into something. And it will always look like, I want to be great. You'll start the conversation there. And then by verse 28, you'll be great if you carry a towel and serve and make others great. That's the way that his conversations and prayers go. If by the end, you're serving someone out of the right heart, from the right heart, after being served, you've listened well. Because really, all Christian life is based around how well you love other people and receive his love. So, these dreams of greatness, these illusions that she talked about, Jen talked about these illusions. What's the word you used? 
we romanticize, we so do that. These illusions of this next thing that will provide this layer of comfort that you finally need, whether it's a relationship or a house or a car or a better job. Why? Why do you want those things? Why? Let him interact with it. Um, I love it here. It's like a conversation of cleansing. A request is presented. His response is presented. They listen. The other disciples get frustrated. Another thing. If you see people around you that aren't serving like you think they should, don't get mad at them, right? Why are you upset about it? Make sense? Why are you upset? Maybe it's because you feel like you deserve an award for your serving. You don't. You don't deserve an award. You know that? This is the worst challenge in deserving I've ever done. You won't get an award. Nobody's going to like you for it. You're going to be ignored. People are going to do things to you. You're going to get poo-poo on your hands. That's usually what happens when you serve. There's poo-poo somewhere all over you. So, greatness defined. Jesus says greatness does not look like position. It does not look like a pecking order. It looks like a towel. And the towel exists for you to serve people and clean their dirtiness and be there for whatever. Do you want to be great? Every time you talk about wanting to be great and prayer about wanting to be great, I want you to put your towel on, your mental towel. Everybody say mental towel. We'll call it a mowel, okay? Your mowel, your mental towel. Everywhere you go, this is what you do. Husband, this is what you do. Wife, this is what you do. Business person, this is what you do. Spiritual leader, because God told you you're going to be great. I just had a conversation with somebody. God told us we're going to do great things. Whenever I hear that, I just want to be, what, what great things? What is great? Because whenever great is mentioned in the Bible, it's stuff like the greatest commandment is this, and... Um, those who, the greatest thing that you can offer someone is to what? Give your life for them. So if you want to talk about greatness like Jesus talked about, it looks like dying. So do you want to be great? Do you want to die? Your greatness does not equal you finding a position for people to lift you up. Your greatness looks like you being the one who lifts others up. It's so crazy, right? I love how he did that. So I'm going to read you another passage, and then we're going to do some prayer, and then Julie's going to come up. So... This is John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the sons of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that should, you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, he started a Christian revolution with this passage and became a slave. Well, the part you don't know that I'm not going to get into, I've preached this message before, is that typically in this situation, the lowest person in your group, when you walk in, will sit down and wash feet. They had just had an argument about who was greatest, so they all enter to have this meal, and they're all in contention with each other, and all of them are sitting around the table, like, what's about to happen next? Like, you know when you argue with someone, you're not ready to do nice things. And Jesus gets up and does what's needed. Something was needed to be done, and Jesus gets up with, this is a table, okay? This room is a table, and we're all sitting around it, whether it's your church or not your church. It's not your job to figure out why they should be doing something in any spiritual avenue. It's your job to stand up when you see something that needs to be done. That is to be Jesus. Can you help? Help. I'm not talking about us. Can you do something? Do something. Jesus shows them, I'm doing what you're to do. Can you do something? And so, now he says the same. I want to do it to you and I want to do it through you. Just a couple quick points before Julie comes up. There is such a form of serving that's self-righteous serving. I've, I've been very much a victim of this, doing these like colossal serving events where we can be seen and we take pictures and we put them on a wall and we talk about Service Project 2016. Look what we did as a church. I've been a part of churches where they invite a homeless person in and bring them up to the front and then wheel in groceries. And like, how does that even pass through? Like, look what we do for homeless people. If you really did it from the right heart, we wouldn't even know it was happening. So there's a kind of service that appears one way, but it's not real. I used to be a part of churches, and I was good at doing this, that trained people to be super loving for the time that they showed up to the time that they leave. And then you'd see the same people at a store, and they were, they were literally the devil. Like, they actually had horns and, like, breathed fire on you. And then at church the next Sunday, they were like, oh, it's so good to see you. And then at the store again, they're like... Because we train people to serve at the right times, to be seen, so that our church can appear a certain way, right? We have no real training for our Connections team, other than Jordan praise. <laughs> we don't emphasize that people be super nice at that time. We ask for loving people to love people. Um, I went on this mission trip. The last mission trip I did as a youth pastor, I did a, I did a lot of them. I used to take like 50 kids to New York City really hard to do, especially with the moving around so much. Um, the last mission trip we did, we did to Trinidad, and this guy named Stephen Shives came in, and he led the trip for us, and it was a seven-day trip, and his big thing, and I'll never forget it. I'm not even sure if he was really great at mission trips. I just, I'll never forget this. He said, this is not a mission trip. Your life is a mission trip. This may give you a taste of what you're supposed to do with your life, but the end goal is world missions, like what, even what we're doing, if we're just being honest, it's really kind of more helping us. It's really kind of more helping us to see what can be done. It's like a taste. It's like one piece of chicken, and there's this whole meal. 
So we can't kid ourselves to think we're saving the world by sending people to Scotland, okay? Legitimately. Will we taste and see that the Lord is good and learn something that can be carried out? Yes. Is that the end goal? No, it's not. But his, his words was, life is the mission trip. Life, and that was the whole motto for the whole week. Life is the mission trip. Your life is the mission trip. The gas station is the mission trip. Your workplace is the mission trip. If you go on a mission trip this year and you're a different person where you go than you are here, you didn't understand it, okay? Does that make sense? All right. So um, I'm just going to crank through some of this. When you see someone serving, you notice it. Um, a friend of mine named Grant Cole, who strangely enough was mentioned to me this morning, uh, he's a part of a church close to here. He started organizations called Give a Kid a Chance. Uh, you probably heard of back, back, Backpack Program. Samaritan's Good Samaritan Health Clinic, which is free care for people who have no money. Um, he, we used to be in staff meetings, and we were on staff together, and he would just get up and go, and I'd be like, he just gets to get up and leave? This is the worst hour of my week. We're literally just sitting here falling asleep together. But he would, he would get up whenever a single mom couldn't move herself. He had bought a truck. And whenever a single mom needed to move, he would show up, our associate pastor, and move them personally. Like, we would just notice this. You, you notice real serving when it's happening. You will be unappreciated. You will get spit on. People will not care that you're serving them. But that does not matter. You'll never be more like Jesus than when you're serving. Does that make sense? Julie, I'm going to read the passage you actually mentioned to me as you're walking up. And then I'm, there's a, right here. I'm going to ask you three questions, but we had a, I had a meeting with Julie this week, and she mentioned Isaiah 58, and I just love what it says. So if Isaiah 58, 1 through 8, do we have it in the, is this the, the massage? This is in the massage, so, or the message. Shout, a full-throated shout, hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives, face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearance, appearances, they are a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side. But they also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. To get rid of exploitation in the workplace to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in is seeing you do this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave the way. The God of glory will secure your passage. That's beautiful. So I have three questions. We grab that really quickly. Um, if you guys don't know Julie, she's just a part of our church. We're lucky to have her, and she serves with her life. And so I'm going to ask you three questions. You told me not to tell you beforehand. So Julie, what is it that you do with your life? 
<laughs> Explain God. It may involve poop. Sorry. Uh, but most of the time it does not involve poop. So mark that one off your list. He was wrong. Um, it literally could be uh, serving the neighbor, uh, getting the mail, mowing a lawn. Uh, it could be moving chairs in the church. It could be serving pizza on a Sunday when people are playing wiffle ball. Uh, it could be coming and holding the baby for a newborn mom. Uh, it could literally just be praying with somebody in church that needs prayer. Uh, it looks different. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, with a shovel and a pickaxe. Uh, it literally could be delivering a meal. Uh, it, it's whatever Lord prompts you to do. Uh, and it always looks different, like no two days are alike. Uh, but the cool part is to listen and just pay attention and see what he says and then hopefully jump in and do it. Awesome. So second question, why do you do it? That's brutal. Um, <laughs> you know, for a long time I did it because, uh, wow, like this is cool. This is awesome. Look at these mighty, cool, awesome things that I've done for God. Uh, I, can, I can list you some really cool things that I've done for God. I mean, he should be really pleased with me. Like he should be more pleased with me than you because, wow, I did so much better than you did. Uh, and that's wrong, right? So he, he loves me today the same that he loved me yesterday, the same that he's going to love me tomorrow. And so, uh, not to discourage you from serving, but if you don't serve, he's not going to love you less. And if you do serve, he's not going to love you more. But if you go back to the verse that he just said, um, he's promising you if, if you look and you pay attention and you do what he asks you to do, like you'll receive healing in your life, uh, that you'll know that God is with you, that you'll feel his love, uh, and that things go better. It's crazy business. So part of what I do is to schedule people to come in and serve the homeless. And I get calls all the time. They're like, here's our great and mighty church, and here's what we're going to do for you. I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Y'all are one of those. So come on in. I'm going to let you serve, and this is great. But what I see all the time is that people that come in to serve, and they think they are doing this great and mighty thing. And as they come in, they almost always leave in tears. Um, so God has touched them. And so they've met somebody or some impression has been made. They recognize his love. Um, and then they actually are healed by serving, and it's crazy to watch, uh, and it's crazy to watch them, like, recognize it and then come back and serve some more, so. Cool, so um, I guess last question really quickly. What would you recommend entry point for these guys, just off, off the cuff? Again, it's different for everybody. There's a, there, y'all, there are a billion places if you want to serve, like, outside of your neighborhood or outside of the church, um, there's a zillion places in Atlanta you can serve. They are awesome. Uh, you can serve at a food bank. You can serve at the day shelter downtown. You can serve at Seven Bridges. Um, you can serve at church. You can help move chairs around and clean bathrooms and do whatever. Um, I, you know, there's, there's just a million things to do. It's just a question of do you want to get involved or not. You can go uh, read to kids in the elementary school. It doesn't have to have the name of God in it for you to be serving. Um, so you can go... You can call Katie and figure out who needs somebody to come in and just work and mentor and play with them. You know what I mean? That's good. Uh, you can serve the football team. You can do whatever. It, it doesn't have to be within the church. So. Okay, this is actual last question. If they wanted to serve with you at Seven Bridges, what's the best in route? Um, just tell me. 
uh, figure out what you want to do. Uh, we're, we're bizarre, so there's no paperwork, there's no background check, which is crazy. Uh, we actually have uh, the Bearded Sinners, if y'all, y'all should know who they are. If you know who they are, you're in trouble. Uh, they're the most notorious motorcycle gang in the southeast of the country. Uh, most of them are on FBI's most wanted list. They serve with us once a month. <laughs> so they pull on campus in their motorcycles and they serve. Uh, but what I would tell you would be if you want to serve with me, I had a group yesterday that painted nails for moms. Easy peasy. I had a group that colored with kids. had a woman that brought a camera and took pictures. Uh, I had people that come and play bingo. Uh, they come and lead a worship night, and uh, we do worship. Um, anything you can think of, if you love to garden, I've got a garden, you can come garden. Uh, if you want to serve a meal, if you want to pack lunches, it just doesn't matter. Just holler at me. Uh, I'll plug you in, make it simple and easy. Um, I promise you'll have a good time. Um, it, every time, you'll have a good time. Uh, and I'll see you when you come. Amen. Let's do this real quick. Can you guys just point your hands towards... Julie, we're just going to pray for you because you want that really badly right now. Father, we just thank you for the whole family, um, the Stoke family. We just pray that you would just overwhelm them with your goodness, uh, fill them up, and continue to give her the right heart that she has and help her to, to continue to do what you've given her to do. Um, pray that you would provide all of their needs. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So last thing for me. I just want you, I'm going to throw two things from the church out that are just silly, like that we don't have them covered completely with serving, because they're a hilarious amount of time each week. There's not really a ton of ways we demand serving. There's one way that's helping Jordan, which is the connection team, which literally is just showing up a little bit early on Sunday and loving people. That's really, so if you're one of those people that like, I don't know where to start, that's literally the easiest start place on earth. It's like, here's a crayon, draw on this paper. You can do it. And the second thing is our prayer ministry teams at the end. We should have an overflow of prayer people. And my dad is back there, and the sign-up is right there. We need people ready to pray for people. If you're not a part of anything and you like doing that and pray for people, you should sign up. I think our ministry should be over-covered. They should be like, we have too many people this weekend. So I would love it if you guys did that. And then the last thing is this, and I'm going to pray for you for this. One person in your life right now. We're going to ask God to put one person in your mind, in your heart right now for you to serve. One person. Father, as we get ready to go today, in Jesus' name, is there a person in or around our life that you want us to serve? Genuinely ask him, is there someone you're asking me to serve? As you show us those people, Father, we pray that you would give us the wisdom for the things to do, that you would help us pick up our towel, help us reach out, help us to follow through. In Jesus' name we pray. You guys can stand. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to let some people come up for prayer time, and if you want prayer, um, they're going to stick around and do some worship. Here's what I ask for this part of service. I know it's Mother's Day, go be with your moms, um, but if you're going to hang out in here, we just want to create an atmosphere where people can receive prayer and can worship and can spend some time with the Lord, okay? So Father, I pray that you would go with our people today, that you would go before them and that you would guide them. We thank you that you lead us well. We thank you for our River City Church, and we pray that you would overflow these walls into this city this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys.
Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.